Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gray Malkin Lane podcast, Patreon episodes. These are my favorite. Uh, I get to hang out with my good friend, Noel Reed, today. Hi, Noel. Hello. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. How has life been as you prepare for the holidays? Crazy. Crazy as always, but uh, can't complain. Not too bad. I'm getting ready to go back to Colorado, so how is love for, that. For the holiday itself? Yes. That will be a nice break. Are you taking your puppies? She is. She's going back. She hates flying. I have to shove her in her little carrier, but uh, it's only an hour and a half. She's fine. She'll be okay. And then the airport trauma, of course. Uh, yes. Noel, you, uh, my regular guests will know from many episodes of my show, uh, multiple guest spots and also multiple trials, almost all of the trials. Uh, well, all of the trials thus far, I guess I should say. Thus far. Uh, Noel's one of my favorite people. She's funny. She's gorgeous. She's got deep nerd roots, which I love. And she's not afraid of homework. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. The trials. I, I love that. homework. It's so much fun. I just I put together basically my calendar for the whole show next year and it will probably change a little bit or as things move around but uh, as I look at the trials planned in the next 12 months I'm so pumped for all of them I'll uh, I'll give you some more insight later but uh, it's Banshee in January, Kesar in February and Sauron in March. So oh, nice. uh, we get to start out with lots of savage land crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes always fun in savage land <laughs> uh, i uh, i'm very excited about that no this is going to be the first patreon episode in the new year we'll drop this right at the start of january uh noelle is the host of the wonderful podcast x-men unraveled if you have not listened i know you've been on a little bit of a break lately uh but tell people a little bit about your show yeah so i go through the um stories of the x-men in chronological order which is just as hard to put together as it sounds um, I decided to basically make a research podcast, which was not what I intended, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll be back at the beginning of the year, but lots of episodes are, are out already. Yeah, my pod has been exploring some of that early content or the, the later stuff that's set in the 60s. Um, like uh, I've got episodes on Century X-Men number one coming up, or we just did like giant size Gwen Stacy number four. Like we're, we're all over the place as you add in all the 60s stuff, but I'm almost through it. And then we get to start in the 70s. Yay. Ooh, that's a big change. <laughs> well, it will be, uh, I mean, giant size, not giant size is in, until 74. And so oh, that's true. We have, we're getting there, though. we have a while before we get there, but yeah, we're coming up on X-Men 66 uh, in March. And I have big plans for that one. And then we transition into other stuff, which I'm really excited about. Um, my initial goal when I set up the Patreon, we've explored a lot of obscure characters, but I wanted to do supplementary or supporting characters. One of my big goals, at least at the beginning, was to explore the 60s characters or the supporting families of the 60s characters, because that's what I've been covering so much on my show. And Noel graciously accepted to tackle one of those characters with me, uh, the estranged wife of Magneto himself, 
Magda Lenscher, uh, who I uh, kind of love, but I'm very curious about. There's a lot of mystery with this character. Uh, no, no, I'll, I know you're a giant Magneto fan. Tell us about your love of Magneto, if you will. Oh, yes. I, I am of the Magneto was right persuasion very much. Um, and I love not just Magneto, but everyone connected to Magneto. So a very soft spot for Magda. Um, also Wanda. Pietro is in there, but uh, don't really care so much about him. But Magneto is my, my top guy. If people ask my favorite X-Man, of course, you know, Magneto gets a little iffy in there, but he's my, he's my dude. Now, this episode we're recording is going to come out before the one I'm about to mention, but I'm sandwiching this recording in between two others. Yesterday, I recorded an episode that actually won't come out until January 9th with uh, Steve Orlando and Russell Bowderman, who are doing the new Scarlet Witch series. And we talk about her origins and how they've changed. I specifically ask about Magda. And uh, Steve basically goes, give me long enough and I'll answer all your questions. <laughs> <laughs> After this, I'm recording an episode on Bova with Anthony Oliveira. And so we're going to hit like Wanda's early days from every possible angle <laughs> in January on nice. the podcast as we launch her new series. Are you excited for the new Wanda series? I am. I already have it like uh, pre-ordered with my comic shop and everything. I'm super excited for it. Sarah Pichelli, Uh There's going to be lots of obscure villains mixed in. I'm very, very excited for it. It's going to be wonderful. Yes, I am wearing my Scarlet Witch t-shirts. <laughs> I felt Steve, like it was appropriate today. Uh, Steve told me, I believe it's issue two, is going to feature her team up with Viv Vision, who was created with Wanda's like brain engrams mixed with the Visions. Uh, that alone, like we we talk all about her crazy family tree. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about Magda for just a minute, and this is a character that is very complicated to put together because most of her stories are either directly associated with flashbacks to Magneto in World War II, or flashbacks to the birth of Wanda and Pietro. But canonically, she is no longer Wanda and Pietro's mother. And so there's a lot of kind of like, wait, what happened mystery to this character? Uh, what was it like for you to do this research or put this stuff together? I know you've done some of this on your pod already uh, as you as you talk about Magneto's history. Yes, um, I feel like for, I feel like for me, I feel like for me, the biggest feeling I get is like nostalgia. One, because I already covered it. So I've been through like Magda's history. But then also, I just can't let go of her being Wanda and Pietro's mom. And so like I read it. And so there's an element of frustration in there too when I read the stories. And I'm like, but there's so much. There's so many times we see her give birth to these two babies. Mm -hmm. And um, in the Magneto Testaments, her story, I, I love hearing her story about uh, the experience of a Roma woman during the Holocaust and that whole backstory with her and Magneto. I just, I feel like it's such an important story and it's not one that you hear a lot about. Now I'm going to say this right up front. If she is not Wanda and Pietro's mom, who the fuck did she give birth to? And what happened to this woman? <laughs> yes. What happened to her? Where did the babies go? Where are Magneto's two children then? Because she had two babies. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, unless Boba was lying, uh, which is... Boba is not a liar. Boba is a sweet, wonderful cow lady, and she would never lie. 
I think Bova is whatever the high evolutionary wants Bova to be. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, or, excuse me, Anthony and I will delve into the Bova of it all. But Bova is a big part of this episode too, because a lot of the Magda stories are told by Bova. Uh, so Bova is a cow woman. The high evolutionary has created a race of evolved animals into what he calls the new men. Sometimes they are called the Knights of Wondegore. Sometimes they live at Mount Wondergore, which is like the place where uh, Catan is, the elder god Catan is kept captive until he possesses Wanda and Pietro and Django. Uh, uh, and sometimes they live on Counter-Earth, which is the copy of the Earth that the High Evolutionary put on the other side of the sun. Marvel's crazy, y'all. <laughs> so much happening. But uh, we're going to start with Avengers 186. This is a 1979 story, and we're introduced to Bova, who is an evolved cow woman. And this is long, but I'm going to read her story. She's talking about her origins. And, and I'm going to put it out there already. I don't, I don't know if any of this is true. At the time, it was considered canon, but we don't know what the story is at this point. She says, I'm not going to read in a cow lady voice. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tale begins. Yeah, we're, we're... Oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder how long it took her to tell this story. Yeah, she she talks real slow as she chews in between with her four <laughs> stomachs. Uh, <laughs> the tale begins years ago in the laboratory of he who was called to be the high evolutionary. I was one of his first projects, a cow which he evolved to human form and named Bova. I was to care for the children of his new men, for he had more pressing matters to tend to, matters that coincided with the unexplained return of his assistant, Jonathan Drew. That's the mother or the father of uh, Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, but that's not important right now. Matters that kept the two men occupied in the tall towers of Wondegore the night when a visitor arrived asking sanctuary. Her name was Magda, a woman heavy with child and sorrow. She told of a husband who had gained strange abilities, powers that had sent him raving with a desire to rule the world. Fearful that his madness would corrupt the child he wasn't even aware she carried, she had fled, and having heard of Wondegore, she sought asylum there and was granted it. I cared for her myself, and over the weeks we became very close, so that when the time came to midwife for her, it was more privilege than duty. I helped to deliver in twin infants that night, you, Pietro, because she's talking to Quicksilver, and your sister, Wanda, whose tiny form momentarily mirrored the mysterious lights that filled the sky the night you were born, which is a reference to Catan uh, later taking possession of her. Magda was pleased with her offspring, and yet it seemed a pleasure tinged with resolve. Thus, it came as little shock when days later I found her gone, leaving only a note expressing fear that if she remained alive, her unnamed husband might force knowledge of their children from her. I took the children to my Lord High Evolutionary. He was weary, as if from some great conflict, but agreed to help. He thus summoned a visiting couple from the village below, Robert and Madeline Frank. This is Wizard and Miss America from the World War II hero invaders, who were themselves expecting a child. It was my Lord's plan to give all three children to the Franks, and so I performed once more as midwife, only this time the results were tragic. The child was horrid, deformed, and thankfully stillborn. And another side note, this couple, Robert and Madeline, had already given birth to the child Nuclo, who is a mutant radioactive guy that we'll talk about another time. <laughs> the mother, Madeline, survived the rigors of that terrible birth by only moments. Seeing but one possibility for good in this tragedy, I offered Magda's twins to Robert Frank as his own. But the death of his wife was too great a burden, and he fled from Wondegore. 
the sobs of his grief cracking the hall, uh, excuse me, cracking the chill of the dark Balkan night. It was then that the high evolutionary took a more direct hand, knowing of a tribe of gypsies camped nearby. He ordered me to fetch the children, and then, like some manifesting god, he placed them in the care of the tribe's shaman, Jongo Maximov, and his wife, with instructions to raise the twins as their own. The Maximovs, who had recently lost their own children, Anna and Matteo, complied. And at this point, the identity of the children's father is a mystery. Now, in the Avengers comics, they've been wondering who their parents are. They believe it's the wizard for a while. And they actually changed their names to Wanda Frank and Pietro Frank, which is hilarious somehow. Yes. And then we have this building mystery that Magda, who has not really yet been connected to Magneto in any way, there's no reference, uh, but we have this, uh, that her, her being their birth mother. That's kind of the start of this crazy story. Tell me your thoughts on all this, Noel. Yeah, so my big thing in this is just I one, I love Boba, obviously. And it comes up in other times about they had time to like build a relationship. And I come away with the question if Magda is not Wanda and Pietro's parents. She still has this, she brings up the husband and the, the powers and everything, which is this, exactly the story we hear about her and Magneto. So like I, I read it and I'm like trying to figure out how do you make this fit in the new like continuity and everything? But how did Bova know these details? She hasn't, this is before she meets Magneto. She doesn't know who he is, but she knows this story of Magda leaving him, which we see later. So I'm going to jump way ahead. It's in James Robinson's Scarlet Witch series from like 2017. Scarlet Witch has now been retconned not to be Magneto's daughter. We'll get to that in a minute. But we get a story about a different version of the Scarlet Witch being her mother. Uh, it's a woman named Natalia Maximoff. She ends up at Mount Wondegore. She gives birth to these twins who the High Evolutionary then takes and gives to her sister, uh, Jago and Maria Maximoff. So uh, in this case, Wanda and Pietro are directly related to the parents who adopted them. We don't know who their father is. And Steve Orlando told me yesterday, he does have plans to pick up on that story. Their dad's a mystery. Natalia is the original Scarlet Witch. It's a very different version of their world and Wanda can rewrite reality. So who knows what's real or not. Uh, but given that, that gives this like four people giving birth in Bova's cabin. <laughs> She's like a magnet for pregnant people in labor. You say I love Bova, obviously. I thought I loved Bova. I remember her nostalgically, but I recently did all the research for her for my episode with Anthony and meh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My, uh, my experience with Bova is mainly in the Magda, Wanda, Pietro related stories. Who, doesn't love, love, those. who doesn't love a cow midwife? Yes. <laughs> so it's in 1982 in Vision and the Scarlet Witch number four, when we see a hooded stranger arrive on Mount Wondegore. And do you want to tell us what Mount Wondegore is? This is a, this is a fascinating thing in itself. It is. So it's like the base of the high evolutionary, right? And he's got all his experiments there. Demons also are attracted to it. It attracts demons and pregnant people. <laughs> and demons <laughs> pregnant with people. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, it's also a place where there's like direct connections to werewolves from this place. Like uh, werewolf by nights, like ancestry doves there. Spider woman comes from here. This is where her parents experimented on her. And we learned like centuries ago, the elder god Catan has also been imprisoned in this place. So it's like a, there's a lot of weird Marvel lore all tied together in this one crazy mountain in Transia. Uh, it first appears in Thor number 134, and I think it's shown up in the comics like a hundred times. I'm going to look up. Yeah, it's like 140 appearances or something. So Mount wow. Wondergore is its own like level of research. But Marvel has this like uh, this plethora of exotic locations that you can set your stories in. The Savage Land being what I'm about to spend a lot of time yeah. in. Okay, so it's 1982. We're back on Wondegore. There's a hooded stranger who comes to Boba and she tells her story again. And I have this vision of her just like hanging out at her house and whoever, whoever knocks on the door, she's like, let me tell you the story of all the pregnant women at my house. Just, like she just, she fucking loves this story, man. She's lonely up on the hill. She is milking herself. <laughs> knitting and, yeah. and doing nothing but telling this story to strangers. She doesn't have a lot of excitement. There, I saw like a joke online where it's like, sorry if I tell the same story twice. I've got like six that bounce around in my head. But Bova has like one that just bounces around in her head. She's just waiting to tell somebody else. <laughs> so this hooded stranger who is Magneto, uh, starts. she starts the story and he's like, tell me the woman's name. And she says it was Magda. And she mentions, and this is not a good thing to mention to a angry Magneto, she mentions like, oh, Magda had this husband that she loved, but he had crazy powers and she was like super scared of him. And he like grabs her and like threatens her and is like, where's my fucking children now? Like, I'm their dad. And uh, like, tell me their names or I'll flay your flesh and nail it steaming to what's left of this pathetic hobble. Whew, Magneto has a side that we do not like. <laughs> yes, he has a temper. Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, he rips her cottage to shreds and she's like left sobbing as she tells him the names of the twins. Uh, so this is a big moment in the lives of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Uh, it's, it's big. It's a big story. Uh, it, it continues in Adelan, which is where the Inhumans live, another crazy Marvel place. And uh, Wanda's now married to the Vision and Pietro's married to Crystal and they have a baby girl named Luna. And uh, he reveals that he is their father and they are absolutely surprised. He tells Wanda that she looks like Magda. Uh, and he admits uh, that he his mutant his mutant power had activated and gone crazy. And uh, and that's what frightened Magda away. And uh, it, the story ends with Scarlet Witch basically saying, if you really are our father, what in heaven's name do we all do now? Uh, tell me about this story. This is nuts. This is a crazy, crazy turn. Yes, like... If Magneto didn't know, you know that he has to have this moment where he's thinking back to like the brotherhood and is like, oh shit, those two were my kids. Like, <laughs> like I scared them away, I scared their mother away. Um, and the other thing is, if they're not related, how is Pietro basically a facsimile of Magneto? He looks exactly like him. Yeah. When I reviewed uh, the issue I did with Stephen Russell yesterday was Avengers Origins, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver number one. And it shows some moments between Magneto where he's kind of saying like, Wanda, you look a lot like my dead wife. And he tells them about Anya 
And Quicksilver notes like we have the same color hair. And, and Quicksilver is like very insecure about his white hair in this story, which is hilarious. Uh, but so there's there's a couple continuity moments that are kind of retroactively added where we see them acknowledging this. Uh, it almost makes you wonder how they didn't realize it before. <laughs> yes, because it's not like I mean, there's a million people with green hair in Marvel, but there's not a ton of people running around with snow white hair. Yeah, uh, well, especially like young 20 year old men or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, not not older people, but just. They've always had more hair. No, Marvel has a sliding time scale. So originally Captain America was in the ice for like 20 years. Now it's like 80 years that he was in the ice. Magneto, when he shows up in the 60s, the war had been 20 years before, but now it's been like 80 years. You have to add reasons why characters are alive as long as they are. And Magneto, you can just add that he is really long lived as a mutant. But there was a point in the handbooks where they had to be like, the high evolutionary actually put... Wanda and Pietro into suspended animation and then decades later gave them to the Maximoffs. And like, it's <laughs> trying to fix it so all. Hard to <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, you just have to shut that part of your brain off. It they are it is what it is. <laughs> so then we get uh X-Men number 125. This is a Claremont story. You can see him building to the Magneto revelation that we're going to in a minute where Magneto sees his memories projected up on a screen and Magda is referenced there. And then uh, Steve Englehart takes over. We've got Scarlet Witch, volume two, number five. Do you want to take this one? Tell us what happens. Yes. So this is another story. Um, oh, wait, actually, Wanda is pregnant in this one. Yep. Wanda's pregnant with twins. There's more twins. Yes. <laughs> more twins. Oh, my God. Well, it does run in the family. Um <laughs> And so she goes to the land of the dead and there's uh, several deceased villains and acquaintances, including Wizard and Miss America. And Magda is there and she's wrapped in a rocky dress and surrounded by snakes and scorpions. And she appears to Wanda and she says, I was Magda, the gypsy, and my mystic blood flows in your veins, daughter. I do not want your death, but you must feel as keenly as I that all life ends. Wild things run riot this night, and any gypsy caught far from her home fires must expect to see the price. And then, or expect to pay the price. And then Magda disappears and Wanda escapes. There is something resonant about this like connection between Wanda and her mom. And basically all we know about Magda at this point she had an angry husband. <laughs> she gave birth to twins with a cow woman. And then she uh, she was a gypsy, apparently, which takes yeah. us to the classic Claremont story. Uh, so in classic X-Men, which is a series that ran in the mid 80s, Claremont was taking a lot of his X-Men stories from the 70s, reprinting them because it was hard to find back issues, but also adding uh, stories at the end of each one that revealed additional continuity. This is where we learn about like Banshee's connection to Maeve. Uh, there's a lot of stories in the backs of these books that are really valuable to X-Men continuity. The most classic one by far is classic X-Men number 12, part two. And this is an August 1987 story where Claremont gives Max Magneto the story that changes our idea of him forever. And let me just emphasize, this was 1987. I think we often think that Magneto had this story from the beginning, but that was not the case. Uh, in this story, he has a nightmare of his youth. 
And uh, I'm going to read his captions here. He says, as always, the dream begins with Auschwitz and Magda. More than a million people died in the camp. And with World War II ending, the Third Reich defeated, its guards wanted no witnesses left to tell the tale of this horror. He had been there, been here from the start, grown to manhood with its, within its electrified barbed wire fence. If he was to die, it would not be in this abattoir it would, and not without a fight. And we see like an emaciated Magneto fighting off a guard and fleeing into the snowy woods with an emaciated Magda. It says, they stagger more than run, their bare feet leaving a bloody trail in the snow, their frail scarecrow bodies giving out all too quickly. We see them build a fire. And then I'm going to read their dialogue here. Will you do Magda if I do Magneto? Uh, yes. Whose name is Max, but we don't know that yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mag Magda says. They'll find us. I doubt it. They'll be too busy trying to save their own skins to waste much effort on us. They'll probably figure we'll freeze to death or starve. Are they right? I'm so cold, even sitting beside the fire, and I couldn't stomach the food you found. I'll find more. And the magnet curls up in a blanket and huddles into Magneto. What's the point? My family, everyone I knew, they all died in the gas chambers. Except for me. I don't want to be alone. I want to go with them. You can't give up, Magda. You can't give the na Nazis that victory. We live, you and I. That's important. That means something. That matters. I'm afraid. I'll protect you for now and always, as I did inside the camp. And then the caption says, for a time, they were little better than animals. Yet somehow, sick and hungry as they were, they survived to wander south into the Carpathian Mountains, where he found work and new friends and the chance to catch up on the lot on and the chance to catch up on the life lost in the stench and shadow of the gas chambers. They learned to laugh and then to love. And when their daughter Anya was born, they learned contentment. And we see images of Max and Magda working, laughing, reading, marrying, and then cuddling their newborn baby. Uh, will you read the caption after that for us? This is also directly from the classic X-Men story. Yes, it says, but he had an insatiable hunger for knowledge coupled with a wildfire intelligence, which soon outstrips the best that simple Highland existence could offer. So sadly, reluctantly, excitedly, he bade the village farewell, farewell and took his family eastward into the Soviet Union, hoping to win a place at university and through that education, the best possible future for his family. Eventually they came to the Ukrainian city of Vinitsa, the biggest they'd ever seen. All the way, Anya watched the world with wide-eyed fascination, a smile on her face, a cheerful greeting, bubbling delightedly to everyone she passed. Her questions never stopped, bursting from a sense of wonder that awed him and made him vow repeatedly that he would never allow the world to make her suffer as he and Magda had. Anya was his hope, his talisman. She made all he had endured worthwhile. And then Magneto's going off to work. Uh, we'll read a little more dialogue here. Magda says, Must you go? We need food, and work is the only way to get it. The way people look at us, it makes me afraid. We're strangers, that's all. They're not used to country bumpkins. That's why they stare. I wish we'd never left the mountains. We were safe there. Magda, have you forgotten my promise? With me, you'll always be safe. I'll be back this evening, Anya. Look after your mother till then. And Anya yells, Yes, Papa, I shall. And she gives him a tight hug. And Magneto goes to work, and the man only pays him half what he's worth or what he promised. 
And so Magneto uses his power, which is kind of slowly burgeoning. We learned that in the concentration camp, it showed up from time to time, but he didn't really know what it was. Uh, but he scares the man and gets full pay. But by the time he gets home, the inn where Magda and Anya are staying has been set on fire. And Magda is in a full panic and there is a wall of flames blocking her from going upstairs. Max yells, Magda, and she yells. Upstairs, Anya in a room. I left her sleeping when I went shopping for supper. The fire, too hot, I can't get to her. Our daughter, she's trapped, we have to save her. We'll do her no good if we kill ourselves in the process. You get outside, I'll find a way. The stairs, but the stairs are collapsing. And Max has to use his powers, and again, inadvertently to create a shield to save he and Magda from the spreading flames. He yells, a miracle. You, you did this? I must have. And this power can protect us. I pray it can save our child. They run outside and look up. Max yells, Anya, but she's yelling in the, in the room upstairs that is burning. Papa, there's a fire in my room. Papa, I can't get away. I'm scared, Papa, help me. And he yells, be brave, sweetheart, I'm coming. But he can't make his power work. And then the police arrive to arrest him because he had gotten mad at his employers earlier. They restrain him. He says, you can't, my daughter, please. And Anya yells, Papa, the fire, I'm burning. And the police raise their clubs and strike Magneto on the head. He turns to the crowd, horrified, asking for help. And a man taunts him and says, basically, it's too bad. I offered you an honest wage for an honest day's work, but you went and got greedy and now you pay the price. And Magneto calls him a liar, but Anya is screaming. He yells, my child has done no harm. I beg you for the love of heaven. Somebody please help me. And the crowd watches. They say it's a waste of breath. No one here will help an enemy of the state. Anya jumps out of the window on fire, already dead. And the man says, condolences, comrade, for your tragic loss. But you know, you've only yourself to blame. And what happens with Max now, or Magneto now? Now he's got his powers. In times of trauma is when the, when the powers activate. They flare up. Uh, the panel glows black. He lashes out with his power, kills the crowd. And he's kneeling before the charred corpse of his daughter. Good Lord, having to say that phrase alone is I just know. heartbreaking. And uh, one final interchange between them. Magda says... You, you killed, killed them all. Because of them, our Anya is dead. They deserve no less. Uh, Magda clutches at her hair, stares at her husband, her dead daughter. You threw lightning from your eyes. I have powers, Magda. They rescued us. They might have saved Anya. Instead, they avenged her. They, you are not human. Far more than human, I suspect. Better than human, I vow. Come, wife, let us lay our daughter to rest and leave this place. No, I can't. I won't. Not with you. Magda. You're not the man I love. You've become a monster. And she flees. And the caption says the louder he called, the faster and more desperately she ran. And back in the present, this is closing the story from Claremont. Uh, Magneto wakes up and he's calling out to Magda in his sleep. And he says, oh, God, oh, my God, I had forgotten how much that moment hurt. I tried to follow, but my outburst had left me so weak I could barely stand. And then the police came. I was forced to hide. I never saw her again. She loved me as I did her. Yet when she beheld my mutant power and all its terrible glory, she no longer saw the man, her husband, the father of her child. He continues in his thoughts and thinks there was only a monster. And then in this story, which is such a poignant moment that Claremont gives us at the end, 
He hears a woman and a child cry out. They are stuck in a fire. And he decides they aren't worth his help because they aren't mutants. But in the end, he changes his mind and saves them. And he thinks, would I had such a skill a lifetime ago, little one, to the child he just saved, to save my own as I do you. Uh, he tells the woman, he, woman's husband that he can thank him by telling the world how your family was saved by Magneto. Magneto the terrorist. Magneto the supervillain. Magneto the mutant. Remember me always, monsieur. I could have let them perish, but I chose life. Whoo, Chris Claremont, is, goddamn genius. <laughs> yes, there is so much to that story. And I've read it like a hundred times by now. But every time it's every part of it just like stands out as just this visceral moment. And it definitely colors my ideas about Magneto because it was written before I was born. So there's literally no point that I've been alive that this wasn't true about Magneto. And I I do, I, I forget sometimes that this is 1987 and there's times before this where Magneto is not this person that we see in this story with this whole experience. What do we learn about Magda here? When we attach um, the, the story Bova told earlier, we suddenly have a lot of context. Chris Claremont also did his homework. <laughs> yes, for sure. So we get that moment of what was it that made her run away? Why is she Why is she with Bova, refusing to talk to her husband, keeping her children a secret? We would find out it's because her husband had just murdered an entire village. And the death of her daughter, the death of her family, the idea that he was the only person she could trust. I'm picturing this from her perspective, the idea that she's lost everything, her homeland, her family, her heritage. And, uh, you know, survivors of the concentration camps had to start their legacy all over and rebuild themselves in another place where people did not always treat them kindly based on them being Jewish the world was no less anti-Jewish or anti-Semite after the war. Uh, so this idea of them still being persecuted and Max is the only person she can trust, but then he's a monster. He's got this power and he killed a bunch of people right as her daughter died in front of her. And the idea that she had to run and start over again, she's no longer safe, not even with him. Uh, and then the discovery off panel that she's pregnant. Oof. Yes. The Anya story just, Hills. it's so horrible because they she's already seeing this happen there's no way for them to get to her like their daughter her daughter literally dies in front of her it is devastating Claremont gives us a lot of tragic backstory including uh, you know storm seeing her parents die but this is a baby dying. This is a little kid uh this story is referenced in so many different Magneto stories the one I mentioned a minute ago, the Avengers Origins Scarlet Witch issue. Uh, are you current on X-Men Red? Not all the way yet. So can I spoil something major? And I apologize. Go ahead. Yes. Magneto's ahead. dead. He dies in a crazy giant battle. And kind of his last words before he dies, and he doesn't want to be resurrected. Uh, one of the last speeches he gives, I believe it's to Storm. He's like, I lost my Anya and I am never giving her, getting her back. And now that there's a mutant homeland, I don't want to be here anymore. And so like we, we still see this softness to this very hard edged character brought back, uh, even though it was decades before. This is maybe the worst X-Men story. <laughs> it's rough. 
and oh, even well, in uh, Magneto Testament is the worst X Men story I like. Oh yeah, that's true. But this is like the the epilogue to Testament. So <laughs> <laughs> um, even in the now I'm forgetting, was it in First Class that they show Anya um, in, the movie? in the movie? It's mm-hmm. been too long since I've seen it, but that sounds right. Yeah, I think it's in that one. And even in that, in the movie version, it's still, it's a little more dramatic and everything, but it's still just devastating. And like, to me, the fact that Anya existed and that she died is like, even without the further backstory of Magneto and who he is, like the loss of that child, and especially for Magda, because we see so little of her life in Testament, we get a little bit more, but that line where it says that Anya is Magneto's talisman and kind of all his hopes. She had to have been that for Magda as well. This is her life being rebuilt. She's starting something new. She has a new kind of hope in that the children represent and taken from her just viciously. I've always fantasized about a story where she never died. It's like a big, crazy revelation uh, because we don't see her die. We saw her in the realm of the dead with Wanda, but that doesn't mean anything. We have so many characters seen in the realm of the dead who turn out to be alive. They're uh, uh, they're like demons posing as people who we think are dead. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Uh, but Magneto visits Magda's grave many times over the years. Uh, famously in X-Men Unlimited number two. And uh, again, that Avengers origin story I just referenced. Uh, he visits her grave uh, multiple times, like the place that he honors her, but we've never seen her die. She gave birth to these twins and then ran off the mountain and supposedly died in the cold. But maybe the uh, maybe the high evolutionary is keeping her in a vat somewhere. <laughs> could be. We don't know. Anybody could have put that grave there, especially the high evolutionary. He's, yeah, he's well, involved. So, yeah, who knows I, what's happening. I vow, and it won't be for a long time, but we will do the trial of the high evolutionary on my podcast one day. <laughs> How are you going to pick the worst things that he's done? oh my god you just lump them all into categories that's the whole thing (laughs) that's true um i'm gonna cover a couple of of stories kind of quickly x-men annual 12 number three so there was an event called the evolutionary war that ran through several different annuals in 1988 and uh the backstory in each of these annuals was telling like the history of the high evolutionary and one mountain and this is a story where we see like Spider-Woman's parents and the new men. And we see a moment where Magda is like pregnant in transia. And she thinks she sees the mountain and goes, that odd structure structure up there, a castle. I, I never should have left the village in, but I had run out of money. I pray the Lord of the manor will take me in. My water has just broken and I will be in labor soon. So she's got to like rush up. And one of the uh, one of the new men is like a goat guy grabs her. His name is Sir Goat, which is you know that's all you need about this character. Takes her into like Lady Bova, who uh, tends to her, and her contractions have already started. So this is kind of a different version of the childbirth story, but you know it's close enough. Uh, and uh, weirdly, there's the spirit of Mordred infecting someone. And the high evolutionary and his experiments are all going crazy. And the dark hold is there. And Gregor Wolf, Rusoff, the werewolf guy and the elder God Shatan is there. Like it's tying in all of this crazy nonsense. We'll talk about Mordred in the Bova episode more because he's a big part of Bova's story. But uh, the caption box here very quickly, it says the next morning, the gypsy woman Magda clutches her newborns to her bosom, unaware that one of them has been touched by the hand of the degenerate 
Eve elder god called Catan. Uh, for a demon who has lived for eons, who has patiently waited millennia in between its attempts for, at physical manifestation, the short decades it will take for this mutant child to reach maturity are but the blink of an eye. And when this child fully embraces her dual heritage as a daughter of science and of magic, then Catan will have a fitting vessel for his full demonic majesty. Then shall Catan claim the form of the woman who will be called the Scarlet Witch. And so here's another Magda uh -oh. possible tie-in. Maybe Catan has Magda. <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody has magda i don't think that grave is where she is i can't believe it i don't think she's there i don't think she's in it um and then there's too uh, much happening X there's too much going on from Magda to really same event x factor annual number four uh we see a story dr doom subjects magneto to a test and we get an additional flashback to his life with magda on the day Ma I, I, like anya died uh, Magneto's apparently started ranting about his power and it's an additional thing that like frightens Magda who runs away from him and then we have Uncanny Origins number two this is a series that was exploring the origins of characters again during a hard time when it was really hard to find back issues so <laughs> this is a series that told a lot of stories uh, Glenn Herdling 1986 gives us a little bit more context into Magda's time at Wondegore uh, she basically like knocks on the door and is like, hi, I'm Magda and I'm pregnant. And Bova is like, well, let's be friends then. And then like months later, she gives birth. And uh, we see kind of Magda going through some, it, it appears to be kind of some postpartum depression. She's with the twins for a little while. And then eventually she leaves. And there's a little speech where she says, Pietro, Wanda, which means she chose their names in this version of the story. Oh, my poor babies, I wish I could make you understand. Your father is a vengeful man. Should he ever learn of your existence, he would steal you away from me in a heartbeat. A heartbeat he would make certain was my last. It is best that he never learn I have given you life. And she leaves like a little note for them and she runs away and wants the babies to believe that she is dead. Okay, so let's stop there for just a minute. What is Magda, assuming she's Wanda and Pietro's mom, what's her motivation for leaving? We're getting like multiple versions of the same story. Yeah, I keep trying to, I go through that moment where Magda decides to leave kind of over and over and like all the different things that have happened to her because this could be the chance for her to try again, to start over with her new children. But I can see that she could in her head have built up that moment of seeing Magneto's powers into just terrifying. And maybe she's thought of every argument that they've ever had or every moment where he's been angry and he didn't have his powers. And he seems like probably a scary guy when he's angry, whether he's using his powers or not. Like I can see her building that up in her head and just kind of making herself more and more afraid of who he is or what he could do. And now she thinks I have to protect these children from him, not just myself. And like, you know, she's right. Magneto does look for her kind of the rest of his life until she finds her grave. There's also, there's also the potential of pretty significant trauma on her part. She's lost everybody. And I think people who are trauma survivors can start to believe things like uh, everyone around me has died, which means if I stay here, my babies will die. Like I can find a lot of sympathy for her, even though it's easy for us to judge a mom who leaves her babies behind. I can find a lot of sympathy and motivation. She's very, very afraid. Yeah. And who knows, honestly, what she saw while she's on Wendigore Mountain. Um, you know, she she might think of it as a safe place or maybe she's seen more scary things related to demons or the high evolutionary. And she's like, I there's nothing I can do, like just sort of a 
Well, I can't even I, protect them. And a cow lady. She walked out and Bova was milking herself one morning. She's like, oh, no, this is too much. <laughs> yes. I'm going to keep making that Bova joke. It's going to happen again and again. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, Magda has experienced still, even with the, the little bit of her story that we have so far, she has been through so much. He, uh, he, Magneto, I mean, the idea of him turning his children into weapons is also something that directly happens. Uh, he, he goes back to visit Magda's grave, sees the building burning, rescues Pietro and Wanda, and then like makes them join a group with evil in the name. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> we weren't entirely was... wrong. Yeah. She was onto something there. <laughs> oh, and now I need to do a Patreon on like Django and Maria Maximoff as well. That would be a fascinating episode. That's another one. Yes. We'll do that another time. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> um, Magneto volume three, number 17. It's 2005. Colin Bunn gives us a flashback to Magneto and Magda escaping the concentration camp together with some others. There's a Nazi guy named Herr Hitzig, who's a big part of this Magneto series, uh, shoots one of the men in the head while like they're cowering behind a tree. And you can see they're almost captured. And then, Noah, I think I told you at one point, I'll never make you read Magneto Testament again. And here you did again. You did it for the Magneto trial. You did it for your show. <laughs> I know. And I did. I read it. I said, no, because I think there was some reason there was something on your show that I chose not to read it for. And I was like, no, I've got to read it again today for Magda. Cause I'm, when I've read it every time I'm looking at Magneto's story. And this time I was like, no, I'm looking for Magda's story this time. This is a powerful series. It's beautiful. But you know, the one that I refuse to read anymore, I referenced this in our last trial for Vanisher and Eunice. I, I am so done with the Factor 3 story in the 60s. I've read it like <laughs> six times now. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I've profiled every character and I'm done now. <laughs> yes, I think you've read that more than anyone. <laughs> oh, it's so, well, I mean, it's fine. I, I Yeah, I could give you word for word. <laughs> play by play now. <laughs> Uh, but the mutant master will never have a Patreon episode. So if everybody's <laughs> wondering, although uh, I'll, this is a pre-announcement. It's not until late February, but we're covering X-Men number 65, which is the story where Professor X reveals he's alive. And one of my featured guests on that episode is an, a novelist named Keith DeCandido, who's a famous fantasy novelist who wrote a story about Changeling and the Mutant Master that was published in a Marvel book. So we will cover the Mutant Master more there, but I refuse to read Factor 3 again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, I think. <laughs> uh, Noel, tell us about Magneto Testament, if you would. Let's focus on Magda. This is a Greg Pak, uh, Carmine Di Giandomenico story. Yes. Um, I, as painful as it is to read, I love Magneto Testament. It's the story of... Magneto and Magda surviving the Holocaust. Um, and so it starts with Magneto's story, and he's Max at this time. And we find out that he has a crush on a Romani girl named Magda. And he makes her a necklace, and he has a photo of her in his journal. And it's just really cute. There, I think he's nine when the story starts, and Magda's either the same age maybe a little bit older, maybe a little younger. Um, and she is Romani and she's working with her mom. It looks like, the, I don't know what they're doing. It kind of looks like they're like caretakers of the grounds or something for the school that Max is at. He's doing stuff. He's in a competition and 
he sees Magda watching him. So he's able to throw this javelin really far because he wants to show off for her. And then after school that day, he brings her a necklace that he's made at home for her because um, his father, his family and guests are like jewelers. And so he's been like collecting scraps um, from the jewelry his family makes to make her a necklace. And Magneta, or Magneta, Magda. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, at most point, they didn't uh, start she, with Mag. It's fine. I know. I had to, I had to figure out a way to do my notes because I kept writing Mag. I was like, wait, am I talking about Magneto or am I talking about Magda? You could have said Magdanito, which is even better. Magdanito. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, Magda's reciprocating this crush and she actually starts wearing the necklace that he made for her. And he has the picture in his journal as him or her wearing the necklace that he made. And it's, it's just really cute. And, you know, in a different timeline, it could have been a really sweet story, but it is Germany in the late thirties, early forties. So things get pretty dark. Um, first during the, the Olympics, the, Nazis are implementing their race laws. And so Magda and her mother end up being placed in the Marzahn detention camp in Berlin. And this was where uh, the Roma in the area were, were sent. It was an early detention camp specifically for Roma because they were uh, racially undesirable, according to the Nazis. Um, and I looked in the story this time but i didn't see the point where max really learns about this did i miss that this time uh i'd have to do a deeper reread but i don't think that was a prominent part of the story i think what this story did is it mixed in real world events into a fictional family's life and kind of showed how things were getting darker and darker for the jews magda in the series and i'll comment more on this in a minute magda in the series is almost supplementary She's a plot device to motivate Max. Uh, this is where we learn Max's, Magneto's real name is Max Eisenhart, not Eric Lenscher, by the way. Um, but uh, after they left, he changes his name to Eric Lenscher, marries Magda, so we call her Magda Lenscher. Uh, anyway, um, the, the, I mean, things were bad for the gypsies and the homosexuals and a lot of different people. And I think these real world events they're mis mixing in, like the Olympics and Kristallnacht, it's kind of showing how things were getting darker progressively before the ghettos and then ultimately Auschwitz. Uh, so some of it's kind of supplementary. They're plot devices to show the darkness of things at the time. Yeah, and I I did appreciate the time that they did spend on Magda's story because um, I feel like the Romani are a group that do tend to get overlooked when talked about the Holocaust, um, but they were just as persecuted and just as... Uh, cruelly treated they ended up at Auschwitz and everything and I know when I covered this I I'm a history person um <laughs> as well as a comic person and so I loved that they included like who has heard of the Marzahn detention camp in Berlin like that's such an important thing that happened and it's really early in like the the things that the Nazis did um but I would have really liked the scene where that starts because as you said Magda gets kind of used as a a plot device but it's it's an important story that doesn't usually get told as often yeah uh 
once they get to the concentration camps in this story, Magda disappears for a long time. And there's kind of a, a shining moment toward the end where Max, who has lost his entire family, they're gunned down in front of him. And he uses his powers to save himself without realizing he's using his powers. Um, Max sees Magda and it gives him a reason to live. And he joins, I think it's called the Sonderkommando, where he has to help get rid of the bodies that are killed in the gas chambers. We see him working really hard to keep Magda alive, which is canonical from classic X-Men 12, right? We see that in the Claremont story. And uh, he's kind of trading resources, giving her advice. And ultimately, she has to pose as a corpse in a pile of bodies to get out of the camp, which is so horrifying. And the series ends with that kind of them going off to start their new life. And then Anya happens. I mean, woof. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the whole scene. Yeah. And when he sees her the first time, I mean, they're, they're in Auschwitz and her head is shaved, but she does still have the necklace. And it's like, it's kind of a moment of hope for both of them. Um, because right before they escape, the Romani part of Auschwitz was going to be liquidated. It was like a matter of days until Magda and everyone else in that camp was going to be executed. Um, and so it, it turns in, the story is like very much like um, an overview of what it's like. Obviously it's a fictional story, but I think they did a really good job of presenting like the horrors of the Holocaust. Um, but it speeds up so much there at the end because he's on this, Magneto's on this uh, time crunch. He knows he has to save Magda or she is going to be murdered with the rest of the Romani who are left in the camp. <sighs> We're smiling, but this is like a, such a tragic tale. And this is kind of where it's, that's, that's it. That's all we have. Uh, mm -hmm. You and I were on the same episode where we got to ask Tom Brevor why uh, Wanda's parenting changed. And we've learned it's kind of due to editorial decisions based on the movie franchise and the ownership of the X-Men. And it's just what things are now. And I don't think it's going to go back. So maybe Wanda changed reality. But there is a great Magda story waiting to be told. Uh, I would love to write it. Marvel, call me. <laughs> yes, please. But, um, this character is woven together through, I don't know, 12 or 15 different writers taking little snippets of basically two or three events in her life. It's the concentration camp, losing Anya, and then uh, having the babies with Boba, leaving them behind. What happened to Magda? And if Wanda and Pietro aren't her twins, who are? Uh, it yeah. drives me nuts. This is maybe the biggest unresolved X-Men plot line at this point, um, which is I saying something. So. Oh, so Magda became like more of a real character in this Testament story. And I have to go back to like, if we lose Magda because of the decision to rewrite Wanda and Pietro, we're losing this really important story of a woman who survived the Holocaust of a very marginalized group. And there's a good, there's a great story there. We just got snippets of it in Testament, but hearing the, reading the story about a Romani woman who survived the Holocaust, like I don't want to lose that. And there's lots of um, Twitter conversations about uh, the problems with the Wanda that's portrayed in the MCU She's not ethnic enough, right? But we have this character, Magda, who is Romani. That was she had all of that experience. And so by taking that away, if 
from Wanda's heritage. Yes, she has Natalia, blah, blah, blah. But like, we have Magda's story already. And now that's entirely cut off from Wanda. There is, let's assume Bova was lying. The High Evolutionary had some sort of goal connecting Wanda and Pietro to Magneto for some reason. Maybe it's Catan. Maybe it's the High Evolutionary. If Bova was lying, that means all those stories about Magda giving birth on the mountain are a lie. They're not part of continuity at all. In which case, we only have the concentration camp and then the Anya story in which she fled from Magneto. And then it's not quite as problematic, but still, what happened to her? <laughs> yes. And I, I want to know. Like, yes. And I cannot accept that, like, she fled from Magneto and died in the woods or something. Like, I cannot, in my heart, accept that as, like, what happened to Magda. Because she's a, she's a survivor. Yes, she got help from Magneto, whatever. But, like, she survived. She survived losing her family. It was years between um like her going to the camp marzon and finding max again like she she has a good story so where did she go what happened to her because it's just not fair to to cut that story short like that because of editorial decisions uh magda we need like a year-long x-men story where someone is after magneto and his family and there's a lot of craziness and then at the end, the big reveal is that Magda's behind it because she's been forgotten. Yes. It's like the Madeline Pryor story, but from a Magda perspective, I would live for that. If it's written well, if it was dumb, it'd be terrible. Yes. <laughs> I would live for that story. I think it would be amazing. Um, what this mostly does for me, this episode, is it just solidifies this character's chronology for me in my brain. It's, I mean, it's about Magneto and it's about the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and it's about Bova. But mostly uh, we have a peripheral character who we've just kind of woven the threads together. And I don't think we'll forget her anytime soon, but I also don't think we're going to see her anytime soon, which is heartbreaking. Steve Orlando, I am rooting for you to sort this mystery out in your comic book. Even if it's like a data page with like a mention at the end, I think it would change things. Um, this character deserves to be more than just a motivator or a plot device for other characters. She is Gabrielle Haller. She is every concentration camp survivor. Uh, we don't need her to be a mutant. We just need to know what happened to her. And, and I would love it if she's still around. God, would that knock Magneto off his seat, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. That would be amazing. And, and what would she think of Magneto now? Like, would, you know, if she's alive, she's had to have heard of him. She has to know who it is. And what would she, what, decisions that he's made would she say nope that's exactly who you thought who I thought you were and which ones would she go okay maybe you've grown maybe you've maybe I was wrong and she was young and scared and I don't think she was wrong in the moment that she made I mean we say Magneto was right we can easily say Magda was right too because Magneto as much as we love him Magneto is a monster he has uh killed so many people and he stood for something and the atrocities of his people have been revisited, but his people aren't necessarily Magda's people. She's, no. she's likely to view him more like the Nazis than she is the survivors, right? Uh, which is an interesting thing to consider. The easiest way to bring this character back is to use the high evolutionary with suspended animation or, uh, or uh, Catan. Oh my God, don't do this story. But what if Magda is Bova? 
Oh. <laughs> what if she was Boba she was, all along and Magneto had got herself her. through it? Oh my God. <laughs> she had the that... babies and then got turned into a cow. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Don't tell she that story. Chose... No one tell that story. <laughs> no, but she would have chosen their new parents, which I kind of do like. Yeah, the mad puppeteer and his lovely wife. <laughs> <laughs> Jongo and Maria. Yeah, I need to do a Max Muffs episode someday now, too. Those two are fascinating. Yes, uh, Noel Reed, you are just the loveliest. I'm so happy to hang out with you, my friend. Um, we're going to drop this on January 2nd. So, right into the new year, it'll be one of the first episode drops. Uh, tell people where they can find you online, and is there anything you want to plug? Yeah. So, um, my podcast is X Men Unraveled. It's wherever you find podcasts. Um, I'm on Twitter still. Still going, still trucking along at L Unraveled, E L L E Unraveled. And when does your podcast come back? It will come back the first week of January. So, whatever the first Wednesday in January is. And what's next for you? So, I am I'm back where you started. I'm working my way through the uh, 60s chronology right now. So, it took me. It's been like two years, and I'm finally up to the very first issues of the X-Men. Someone the other day told me, you've covered a lot of X-Men at this point. I'm like, I haven't even started Wolverine yet. <laughs> oh, God. There's so much Wolverine. There was a point in my podcast where I was like, am I ever going to be done with Wolverine? I swear it was like months of Wolverine stories. <laughs> the Wolverine show starring Noel. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I get it. We're, uh, I am going to have a Wolverine episode in the new year, but it's going to take me a minute. We'll get there. Um, yes. I've, got, I've got crazy cool stuff planned for the new year. You can find Gray Malkin Lane, Girl Malkin PP, like podcast on Twitter, Gray Malkin underscore Lane on Instagram. Uh, we're slowing down the schedule and going a little more consistent next year. So new episodes on Monday, new Patreon episodes on Wednesday, and one trial on the fourth Thursday of every month which doesn't sound slower, but I promise it is. And my husband is so happy to have a consistent production schedule. <laughs> I was really hesitant to slow it down because there's been so much professional interest with guests on the show. And now I have people contacting me like, hey, I want to be on the show. And I'd be like, oh, my next opening is in mid-March. <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> but, I, but it just is the way of things. I, I had to slow down sometime. Um, the first episode in the new year is going to feature... The incredible iconic artist Bob Hall will be reviewing X-Men Origins Cyclops number one. Uh, right after that is the Steve Orlando, Russell Dowderman episode uh, that I referenced earlier. And my next Patreon episode, assuming the schedule goes like it should, is going to be about the character Birdie, uh, Sabretooth's little friend, not, not his friend, uh, the <laughs> incredible Birdie from uh, the Sabretooth series uh, with my friend Terry Blass. Uh, We've got some incredible characters, a lot of women characters coming up on the Patreon show and some really cool supporting characters as well. Uh, so give it a listen. I'm having so much fun on the regular pod, but I'm having more fun on the Patreon, which is saying something. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, Noel, thank you for your time tonight. It's so good to see you and hang out a bit. Uh, I don't think I will see you again until late January for the trial of KZAR. But that'll be so much fun. That'll be worth the wait. Yeah, yeah. Go read my notes. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was I'm so excited. much research. It was so much research. And there's so many problematic, like, white men fantasy stories and colonialism. Uh, but I'm fascinated. It was like a whole education I didn't know I needed. <laughs> nice. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you back here next time on Grey Malkin Lane.
Bye, Noel. Bye.